As I get set up here, I encourage you to uh, pull the connection card out of your programs, and this is an opportunity for us to be able to stay in touch with you, to uh, maybe hear an update, or for you to request information or, or uh, request a uh, give us a prayer request. And if you are here with us for the first time or, or are a, a one of your first times and you'd like to give us some information that we could uh, get in touch with you and welcome you to the church, we would love to have that. Feel free to leave that on the pew behind you after the service and the ushers will come around and pick those up. A couple announcements just to get us started today. First of all, Young Marrieds Fellowship meeting today at uh, Chelsea and My House uh, and uh, so please let us know if you want some more information along those lines, if you don't know our address or whatever. Also, just as I look down here, uh, children's sleepover. I was given the, uh, the schedule for the, for the, it's called children's sleepover, but it's really for the whole family. In fact, we're asking that you don't just drop your kids off. Um, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, for parents, and now we do have, for those that are not able to stay, we, we do invite kids to come, and we'll, we'll have that as well, but we're, we'd love to have parents there. Uh, this is only in two weeks, so Sunday, uh, July 17th, and then we'll be done at lunchtime the next morning, and we'll be setting up tents out here, bring your tent, we have some tents, we'll, it'll be a great time of fun and games and some worship together as well. And uh, so it's geared towards the whole family. And then also you'll notice West Coast Coast Showcase. What is West Coast Showcase? Well, it's an opportunity for you to showcase your talents. And it's kind of a talent show, and we'll have to get together and have lots of fun. And August 27th, auditions two weeks before that, August 7th, and uh, it is always a great time. We encourage there to be be variety. And so we've had talent, we've had... uh, magic tricks, we've had stand-up comedy, we've had people that have sang, we've had people that have displayed their artwork or their quilting or things and made food and we ate together. And I have in mind something I'm going to do this year and it'll be lots of fun. And uh, so uh, keep, in, keep that in mind and uh, these, are, these are some of the announcements to, um, and you can read through the rest of them uh, on your own. So first of all, Happy Fourth of July weekend, and uh, hopefully you have some fun things planned. Maybe get to, getting together with family and friends. Maybe having some barbecue, some fireworks, something along these lines. Being that it's Fourth of July weekend, I was reminded. Do you got? Does anybody here remember Vin? Vin uh, Hoang was his last name, and. Uh, he, he, uh, he was with us for a short time as he was stationed out here, and we just got an email from him a couple weeks ago. Uh, because we have automated giving now, he's been given regularly to the church, and we followed up with him, make sure that he hasn't been here for a year, make sure that he actually wants to be giving to a place he's not attending. But he, uh, but he sent back, he said he wanted to give because, uh, and he sent a really sweet email just thanking us for the things that, uh, that uh, for the good time that he had when he was here. And he says, I will never forget all you have done for me. I pray that we will meet again soon. God bless you and the church. And so I'm reminded of the sacrifices as we think about Independence Day that many people have made for the freedoms that we enjoy in this country and are, and are currently making. 
When we think about the safety and the, and the security that we have, you know, I'm very humbled by that. I have never been in a, uh, a position where I have had to really give myself for the security of others. The closest I've been to that is for a short time, I served as a sh- security guard while I was in seminary. And uh, the, the only reason I took this, and this is not, this is not a good testimony, I admit, But uh, the only reason I took this job as a security guard was because I could work at a a night shift on the weekends of an office building who was not open on the weekends and no one was there at night. (laughs) So basically, I wanted to just get paid to do nothing. Uh, I had a heavy class load and I wanted to to have time to study and... uh, but it was a good experience, and I got a lot of work done during those night shifts. But uh, one of the things I'll never forget is uh, um, sometimes there were several offices here, so there would always be like three security guards working at the same time. Come about 2 o'clock in the morning, and you're bored out of your mind, so you walk over and you see if the other guy's fallen asleep or not. And uh, you, you knock on the window, and he comes, and you talk, and To be honest, and again, I was probably the worst security guard you could ever imagine, but to be honest, I thought these guys were taking this job way too serious. And I I will never forget, like one Saturday morning, there's a guy out there blowing leaves in the parking lot, and my coworker is uh, on the phone with the with the off, with the building, uh, with the office manager saying, "I thought the gardeners were coming on Tuesday morning. That what are they doing here on Saturday?" I'm thinking he's blowing leaves. Let him blow leaves. This does not seem to be a threat to me. And I and I was dating Chelsea at the time, and I said, "You know what? They ought to make a movie about this. This could be a great comedy." And then they did. <laughs> Any of you ever see this movie? I actually haven't seen this movie. But I remember when it came out, I said, they stole my idea. I wanted to have a movie about security guards. Now, security guards are very important. I'm not minimizing this. I was the worst, okay? So I know that uh, there are good security guards that are very important. And uh, it's, it's for the, the purpose is for people's protection, for, people, for someone to know what to do if there's an emergency. My strategy was I'm dialing 911. I have no idea what to do. Uh, but we need, secu- we need people that are watching over us, giving us a peace of mind, helping in stressful situations. And today we're talking about the security that God gives us. And I open with this kind of uh, humorous illustration. So let me give us two uh, uh, illustrations that might help us get us thinking along the idea of the security of, of being a child of God. One, it comes from this past week. I was on, my dad called me up, and my dad wouldn't mind me sharing this. Uh, my dad called me up uh, Thursday night, very discouraged. Um, as many of you know, my dad's a farmer in the Midwest, and so his main source of income is from crops. And some of the land he grows crops on, he owns, and, the, and a lot of it he rents. And the, his, and the person that, the landlord that he rents the most amount of land to, or most amount of land from, has decided that my dad will not farm his fields next year. So it's a huge loss of income. Very discouraged about this. And uh, my dad's been for, farming 40 years, planning on retiring in a couple years, and it kind of throws a wrench into those uh, plans. 
But my dad is a believer and a Christian. And he has never been shy with sharing to me, with me and my brother about how God has provided for him over and over again when his back has been up against the wall. And they didn't know how for the sake of their family or for the sake of, for the sake of their own uh, well-being, how God would provide. And God has many times surprised them and provided for them. And I just reminded my dad in the midst of that security, you know, God has not let you down in 40 years and he's not going to abandon you right at the end of your career. And when we speak of God as our security guard, it is with this confidence that God will not abandon us in life. To have confidence when facing life's difficulties. And I'm not ignorant. I know that many of us enter into this room and some of us have real challenges before us. Could be health, could be family-related, could be uh, work-related. But there are real uh, difficulties. And so this sermon is seeking to remind ourselves and ground ourselves in the security of God, that God loves us and that he is faithful. A second illustration comes from a kid that I knew 20 years ago when I was like a teenager in high school. And, uh, and, I, and this story, I could come up with a lot of different stories because this, this is not such a unique thing. But this kid's name was uh, Ryan, and, uh, and I was close to him, and we used to do all kinds of stuff. One year, our youth group went to a Billy Graham crusade. Billy Graham, 20 years ago, was having all kinds of crusades. So we drove to this huge stadium, and at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the uh, service, he always had an altar call, right? And Ryan went to, to the front of the stadium and received the Lord as his Lord and Savior. A few weeks later, we went to Bible camp. Again, the speaker asked, does anyone want to become a Christian? Ryan raises his hand. I saw Ryan get saved about a dozen times over the years. And you talk to him, and uh, he was never confident in his salvation. Always wondered, if I stood before the Lord today, would God let me into heaven? And I have known many uh, believers that really wrestle with this. They doubt their salvation. And I'm sure that all of us, if we are to be honest, there have been times where we have wondered, when I stand before the Lord on that judgment day, will God receive me into his presence or cast me out? See, God will not abandon us in life and God will not abandon us in death. And so we have confidence in one's salvation, that if we have placed our faith in Jesus, that God is faithful and will see us through. As, Hebrew talks, as, Hebrew, as Hebrews talks about, Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's the one that starts it, and he's the one that will see it through to the end. And so this morning, I want to talk to us about God being our security guard. I don't mean that to be cheesy or, or silly, but God is one who really watches over us, protects us, and guides us in our lives. The passage that we are looking at is the Song of Ascent, uh, 125. As we've been going through the Songs of Ascent this summer, it's, there's 15 of them. So we're going from 120 to, 130, to 134. The Songs of Ascent are about grounding our whole lives in God and in His presence. And so this morning we're talking about God, our security in God. Song, Psalm 125 says, Reads this way. 
A song of ascents. Those who trust in the Lord are like, are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness will not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be among Israel. And that's my prayer for us, that, that God's peace, as we look at this, would be among us. Let's pray. Father God, as we look at this passage together this morning, God, I know that we are in need of your security. That we are in need of that confidence that you are watching over our lives. And that is one thing to know it in our minds, and it's another thing to believe it in our hearts and to live it with our lives. And so, God, I pray that you would drive these truths deep within us today, that we would trust in you and believe that you uh, are watching over our lives, that you are our security guard, so to speak, that you have what is best in mind for us and will see us through to the very end. And so we commit this time to you. Pray that you would speak to us along these lines. In Jesus' name, amen. The first couple of verses here uh, really speak to this idea of God uh, being, uh, having our security in him. It talks about, and this language would have been very familiar to the Israelites as they went to Jerusalem singing these songs. It talks about trusting in the Lord. Those who trust in the Lord are like, like Mount Zion. It cannot be moved. It abides forever. We, we get this picture of the security of God and then in Uh, security of our relationship in God. And then in verse 2 it says, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. Where Israel was at, there were mountains all uh, all around the holy city there in Jerusalem and, and in Judea. It was set up in such a way that there would be some security against their enemies. And so the Israelites are seeing these mountains as they travel to Jerusalem. They're walking along these paths, and they notice all of these things around them. And so the background information gives us some insight into what is going through their minds. First thing we might say in in way of background is that the geography of Judea was designed to give the Israelites a sense of seclusion and security. And I want to read kind of a lengthy quote here. It's kind of hard to follow, but hopefully you'll get the gist. I'll explain it. But this comes uh, from a book called The Historical Geography of the Holy Land. It says, Judea was designed to produce in her inhabitants the sense of seclusion and security, though not to such a degree as to relieve them from the attractions of the great world, which throbbed closely past, or to relax them in those habits of discipline and vigilance and valor, which are necessary elements of a nation's character. In the, in the position of Judea, there was not enough to tempt her people to put their, their confidence in herself, but there was enough to encourage them to defend their freedom and a strenuous life. And while the isolation of their land was sufficient to, conf- to confirm their calling, to a discipline and destiny separate from other peoples, 
it was not so complete to keep them in ignorance of the world or to release them from those temptations to mix in the world in combating which their discipline and destiny alone could be realized. So I read all of that just to try to drive home the point that is that within Israel, the way that it was uh, the geography of the land, there was to be a sense of security there. It helps us to think about our own lives as we look upon uh, our own lives, the security of God within us. And then secondly, in way of background, is that Israel, and, I, and I'm getting this phrase from someone, I heard them say this a long time ago, I like this image. Israel has a sawtooth history. A sawtooth history. You know what a sawtooth history is? A saw has ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. And that is the case with Israel. Ups and downs with successes and failures. One day they're following the Lord faithfully. The next day they're straying away. One day we see Adam and Eve walking with God in the cool of the Garden of Eden. And the next day they're hiding behind bushes trying to escape his presence. One day Noah is with his family and they're gazing at the beautiful rainbow and pondering the promises of God. And the next day we see Noah debased and laying drunk and naked in his tent. One day we see the Israelites marching through the Red Sea, the waters raised on both sides, singing these songs of tremendous victory. And the next day we see them grumbling in the desert because they long for Egyptian steak and potatoes for dinner. One day we see the Israelites marching to Jericho, trumpets in hand, ready to blow and shout the praises. They march around the city and the walls come crumbling down. But we don't have to read too far uh, on in the book to realize the next day they are plunged into an orgy at some Canaanite fertility shrine. One day the disciples are with Jesus in the upper room and Jesus wraps a robe around him like a servant, washes their feet and speaks words of love and support and the disciples are there saying, I will never leave you. I'm never going to disown you. And yet the next day we see them stomping around and cursing in the courtyard, denying that they even knew Jesus. What a history. Talk about a sawtooth history, up and down, up and down. And yet, uh, maybe in light of this, it gives us some confidence to be honest about where we are at in our own walk with the Lord. Have you ever had spiritual highs and lows? Are there days where you feel like it is a real success and then there are days where you feel like you're an utter failure? Are there times where you've been white hot with passion towards God and then there's other times where you can barely work up the mustard to come to, to church, lukewarm and filled with apathy? Have you ever had times of tremendous spiritual victory over sin and then at other times fallen badly? And as we look at the history of Israel, even as they sing this song with this checkered past, we know that God never gave up on the Israelites. And as badly as the uh, disciples betrayed Jesus on the night he was crucified, he never gave up on the disciples. And it gives us tremendous confidence as well that God will not give up on you and he will not give up on me. As this psalm says, that his security abides forever. 
that God surrounds his people like the mountains, strong and secure mountains surrounding Jerusalem from this time forth and forevermore. And so this is the security of God that we rest in as well. The security of God that cannot be turned off and on. When we think of our modern day security systems, you got a control panel, right? And with the push of a button, you turn it off. The faithfulness of God cannot be turned off and on. It's at the core of who he is. uh, he He cannot deny himself. He does not change like shifting shadows, but is constant and steady. His love is always in our lives. And so we might say that there are two sides to a faith coin, okay? This is my very large, very creative faith coin. And uh, on one side is us, right? And this is when we think of our spiritual lives, we spend a lot of time thinking about this. What do I need to do in my relationship with God? And on this side of the faith coin, we're looking at our faith in God and our faithfulness towards God. And when we begin to think about, as we've talked about, the security of God, when we begin to think about life's difficulties and our salvation, there's a lot that is on this side of the coin. Jesus said, but the, but the one who perseveres to the end will be saved. And so when we talk about the security of our salvation, sometimes in theology this is referred to as eternal security or the perseverance of the saints, And there is debate. Is it always once saved, always saved? Or can someone lose their salvation? These are all very good conversations to have. But if we only look at this side of the coin, we miss out on something that is very crucial to this issue. On the faith faith coin, there's obviously also a God side. And so we see on the God side that God's faithfulness guarantees our preservation. You see, I think this side of the coin oftentimes gets very scuffed up and dirty. But this side of the coin remains very shiny and clean. On our U.S. currency, it says, in God we trust, right? And I don't know if that's always true for America, but as Christians... That has to be true for us. In God we trust. In the faith coin we look to the presence of God, knowing to the character of God, knowing that God is all-knowing, He's always present, and He is perfect in all His ways. Let's consider three things about the life of Jesus that point to the security of God. First of all, the security of God is seen in Jesus' grip. Jesus' grip. This image in John 10, 28, Jesus says, No one can snatch them out of my hand. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That when we are Jesus' children, nothing can snatch us out of his hand. There is not a sin that is strong enough to pry those fingers open. Satan himself can't pry those fingers open. Nothing can snatch us out of God's hand. It gives me tremendous confidence. That if I am a child of God, that nothing can take me away from God's love and protection. Now that doesn't mean that there are not consequences to sin. That doesn't mean if we are in God's care that we will not suffer the penalty or the consequences uh, when we do uh, wrong here on this earth. There are sometimes severe consequences for ourselves or for the 
uh, or for the ones that we love. I heard, and this is a, this is a, I know this is a very silly joke, but I, I heard this uh, story about the, the bank robbers who went in to rob the bank, and before they went in, they gathered together in a circle to pray. And they said, God, we're about to do something very dangerous. Protect us. The getaway car is over there. Provide us with traveling mercies. And we think about the protection sometimes of God in that way. God will discipline us. But his protection means that we will never fall outside of his love and care for our lives. And so we are secure in Jesus' grip. We are also secure in Jesus' prayer. Before, right, before, uh, right close to before when Jesus was to be crucified, before he was betrayed, he prayed what we sometimes refer to as the high priestly prayer. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. This is Jesus' prayer. And if we read this in context, it's very clear that it's not just for his immediate, his followers at that time. He says, and I'm praying for all of those who would come after me. He's praying for you and me. This gives me tremendous confidence that Jesus has prayed that we would be protected from the evil one. Not that we would be taken out of the world, not that we would never face difficult times, but that nothing would, uh, that nothing would uh, abandon, abandon us to the powers of Satan and nothing would snatch us from Jesus' hand. And then thirdly, the security of God is seen in Jesus' character. 2 Peter 2, verses 11 through 13 reads this way. Here is a trustworthy, state, a trustworthy saying. So Paul says, keep this in mind. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. So this is speaking to the us side of the coin. If we do these things, we will, if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. That speaks of the character of God, that God cannot go against his own faithfulness. Even when we are faithless, God has to remain faithful to us. Now it also says if we disown him, he will disown us. In other words, if we, uh, what we mean by that is disowning God does not mean that we sin or that we struggle, or that we stumble and fall. But disowning him means that we tell God, I do not want you in my life anymore. I do not want uh, your presence with me. And Jesus is not one to force himself into anyone's life. In fact, if we tell Jesus, I want nothing to do with you, get lost, Jesus is bound to get lost. In fact, one day all of us, as we have already uh, mentioned, will stand before God on, uh, and when God sits upon his judgment throne. And those who do not want to be in the presence of God, he will not force them to come into heaven. Jesus wants as many people in heaven as possible, but there are many people that do not want anything to do with God. All we have to do is look at the world around us. There are many people who would rather have nothing to do with God. 
And if they, do not, if they want nothing to do with God on this earth, I guarantee you they will not be comfortable in heaven because it is a place saturated with the presence of God. And so Jesus acquiesces to their desire. And hell is a place that is completely separate, separate from God's presence. And it's an awful and evil place. But we know that God, but we know that those who trust in God, God's faithfulness, guarantees our security. I brought with, uh, with me this morning a can of Smucker's Strawberry Preserves, right? And I just picked this up yesterday because I wanted one that hadn't been opened yet. It's sealed tight. Preserves will last a very long time as long as you don't break that seal, right? And when we speak of God preserving our lives, it is with the confidence that sin does not break his uh, seal, that Satan does not break his seal, that death does not break his seal, but it is with the confidence that, God's, uh, that God will preserve us to the end because, his character, because he cannot deny his own character, which is that he is faithful. So let me just come back to where we started this morning. Speaking about the security of God in life's difficult circumstances. I was thinking about just all of, I was trying to just think in preparation for this sermon. Thinking, where have I seen God's security in my own personal life? Like, I want to be able to speak from the heart. There have been times where I have asked for God for many things that I wondered, why did God not answer that prayer? There were people that I, there were, Girls that I was dating, God, I beg of you, bring this girl back because I broke up with her. There were the house that we bought, we put in four offers on houses before we, we were, purchased the house we were at. When I applied for this job, before I applied for this job, I applied for many other positions and, uh, and positions I thought I was qualified for. And God closed the door. And sometimes the security of God is. Not that God makes everything just hunky-dory and opens up every path, but that he protects us from our own prayers and our own desires. Because I think about my wife and my family that I enjoy today. I think about the opportunity to minister here at this church. And all of these things, God has been more than faithful to provide for me in ways that I could not have anticipated in, in my own wisdom and knowledge. And then I think of all those that I gather with in at different times, maybe even in my office or just at various times, and they're wrestling with, will I meet God face to face? And when I do, will he welcome me into his kingdom? And I never ask, well, when did you pray a prayer? What were the words you used? Did you really mean it? I always simply ask, do you believe in Jesus not? 10 years ago, do you believe in Jesus right now? Do you trust in him for your forgiveness of sins and for the salvation that, that, he, that he would save you? And if you do, you are secure in his presence. His faithfulness is sure. He will not let you go. As the Israelites sang this song on their way to Jerusalem, they looked to the mountains. And they saw the security of God. And now, as we do on every first Sunday of the month, 
our vision does not look to the mountains as much as it looks to the cross. And so every month, as the banner says, do this in remembrance of me, we remember, you can read that, it's very small in gold letter there, Uh, we remember the cross and we remember Jesus' body that was broken for us and his blood that was shed on our behalf. And as we do, we are reminded that God is faithful, that what was true uh, of his love 2,000 years ago as he hung on the cross is true of us for us today as well. That when he rose from the dead after three days, he can still uh, bring us back to life. And so as we gather this morning, the Israelites looked at very physical things. And we're going to hold some very physical things in our hands. We hold a piece of bread. We hold a cup of juice. And these things remind us of how much God loves us and that he is still at work in our lives. And so we'll have time to pause and to remember and to reflect. And I encourage you to use this time to connect with the Lord and to pray and to thank him for how much he cares for us. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward now and to prepare as we begin the communion together. As they come forward, I just uh, encourage you as believers to worship and to celebrate what God has done. And if you are here this morning and you're not yet a believer, you say, I, I, I would, I'm just here because I'm searching. And, I, and I'm wondering, is there anything to this idea of life in Jesus, to know Jesus and to live with him? And I just want to say thank you so much for being here. And we want to come alongside of you and to enter it, into this journey with you and encourage you. But this is a meal for us as those that have trusted in Jesus. And so, without shame, just feel free to pass that along when it comes your way. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you that we are reminded on a monthly basis as we gather around the communion table that your body was broken and your blood was shed. And it's kind of easy to forget that these are actual historical realities, that this was a literal physical death upon a cross. Someone in ways that we cannot comprehend with our finite minds was able to come back to death, come back from death after three days. And yet we also are reminded that while these are historical realities in history, that these are spiritual realities in our hearts and our, tru- in our, hearts and our minds now. And so, God, as we ponder these things, I pray that you would drive these truths home to us once again. That in the quietness of this sanctuary, that we would commit our lives to you again. That we would continue to place our faith in in you new every day. That we would, as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we would declare our dependence upon you and commit our lives fully to you. God, forgive us when we have fallen short. Forgive us when we have grown lukewarm. Forgive us when we have just kind of gone through the motions. We pray that you would enliven us just in light of your sacrifice. Work in our hearts to live the lives, to live lives that are that are worthy of being called followers of Christ. And so we pray for this time together. In Jesus' name. Amen.